it was reported uh, that the U.S. had uh, inadvertently released uh, the main Saudi contact for uh, the 9-11 bombers. And I'm just going to read a quote here from a a spokesman for the 9-11 families. This shows that there is a complete government cover-up of the Saudi involvement. It demonstrates that there was a hierarchy of command that's coming from the Saudi embassy to the Ministry of Islamic Affairs in Los Angeles to the hijackers. Um, So that obviously sounds quite damning. Um, I haven't read uh, the report or what's come out about it, but um, it is quite striking and does kind of throw you back to to those days in in kind of the early 2000s and, and the beginning of the war on terror and how insane the U.S. relations with Saudi were and continue to be. Yeah. Uh, one, I mean, the thing that strikes me the most about it, like you say, it kind of brings back all of that stuff. And I mean, to be clear, I mean, I'm sure the, you know, I'm sure the high, the terror attacks, um, the Al-Qaeda terror attacks weren't ordered from um, the upper echelons of the Saudi regime, um, but that the Al-Qaeda itself, as an as part of the um, outgrowth of the Mujahideen in Afghanistan was so deeply intertwined with the U.S. state, so deeply intertwined with Saudi intelligence and security services and all of the weird covert transnational structures that they had set up to funnel Mujahideen and jihadists to their favored their favored battle sites of the Cold War and post-Cold War era, as Krithika mentioned, like in Bosnia, Kosovo, and Chechnya as well, which we didn't talk about, but that it's unsurprising that there were handlers effectively it seems as a result of this um as a result of this information that's just been released accidentally by the fbi that the hijackers had saudi intelligence handlers it's so it's one thing that um it's a point in fact that i made recently elsewhere but the the story of the um the story of the of this alliance between the us and um and Islamism and jihadism in the Cold War and post-Cold War period. It's so convoluted, it's so paradoxical, it's so strange, and it involves so many uh, flips and um, you know, kind of striking paradoxes and reversals that it would only really, it requires a kind of Chestertonian fable to do it justice. So I'm thinking of J.K. Chesterton's The Man Who Was Thursday, which is a this wonderful fable of anarchist terrorism in the late 19th century, uh, where in fact it turns out, and I'm not giving anything away, but Everyone's in the cop. story, <laughs> yeah, essentially everyone who's an anarchist terrorist in the novel turns out to be a secret agent who's been sent to penetrate the anarchist secret cell. But there are no, there's no anarchist secret cell to penetrate because everyone is actually working for the state. And mm. it's a similar thing with the it's a similar thing with Al Qaeda and the Mujahideen and I think cosmopolitan jihadism in general. It's maybe so, with uh, leftist podcasts as well. It's or so CIA. interpenetrated. It's so interpenetrated with the. This is a serious point, though. But it's so interpenetrated with the U.S. state that it's impossible to tell where uh, the U.S. state begins or ends rather, and where some kind of authentic, you know, Muslim jihadi. Uh, uprising anti-imperial insurrection begins you know it's impossible yeah. to tell between yeah. the two mm. because and, and, like and, I and, say, and it applies so elsewhere convoluted. as well right i mean you know the it, it, the israelis being responsible for 
for getting Hamas off the ground as well as a counter uh, to the secular yeah, liberation sure. movement. I mean, I think the, the I think that because at the core of the the relationship with the cosmopolitan jihad is the Saudi, so the U.S. Saudi axis, which is much stronger uh, than the connection between Israel and Hamas. Uh, and I think, in, to some extent, you know, Hamas is kind of a byproduct of the of the U.S. Saudi stimulus to cosmopolitan jihadism. 